Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What will we do now? R2D2, you found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking has grown up at all. Oh, don't be so ridiculous, R2. Underoos are for Earthlings. <laughs> all you need is a little rewiring, but children need to be fully immunized. Jawa, want to buy a droid? Show me what you got. Wampa, wampa, wampa. We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Two True Freaks presents Growing Up Star Wars. And now Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. I just don't want to celebrate third world poverty on my vacation. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't you're, get it. You're no fun anymore. <laughs> I mean, I like to celebrate third world poverty. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, just not on your vacation. What, yeah, what do you think right. We Are the World was all about? Come on. <laughs> I try to do it on a local level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we want to go ahead and die? I don't know what you guys are looking like on time and everything, so... Um, Ryan's kind of got a I'm hoodie over. on and uh, shorts. What are you talking about? Well, he's, that's what we were looking like. <laughs> time. Well, oh, we're time. on time, but yeah. Uh, that was lame. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to episode three of Growing Up Star Wars. My name is Scott Gardner, and I am joined as always by my besties pal, Chris Honeywell. Hi. By Scott Rifen, host of the Dinner for Geeks podcast and my Star Wars story. How you doing, you old pirate? So good to see you. That's actually pretty good. That is pretty good. And, you know, at this point we have uh, we have half the Dinner for Geeks crew here because we are joined by a very special guest, Ryan the Toy Geek. Hey, how's it going? Doing great, man. Welcome. Hey. We brought you in just a piss off Paul Spataro. How about that? It was yeah. so easy to get him on the show, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, 
have to say one thing about that. Just it, ask. It's oh, great. But, no, we didn't even. That's the funny thing is, you know, Paul asked and Ryan's, hell no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just kind of showed up. No direct contact to me. It was no. easier for me to say on the show, hell no. He asked us, and you said, hell no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first episode of Growing Up Star Wars came out, and Ryan called me and said, I got to get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Paul. Talking about what I know, I, I, the, the comics are not my thing, and and I was just gonna let uh, Jeff shine. I was just gonna let Ron shine. Some people got it, and some people don't. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, some people. I'll, I'll send you an issue of Captain Canuck, and you'll be in like Flynn on that show. <laughs> okay. It's like an initiation. <laughs> Trial oh, by we're gonna... fire. We're going to go ahead and dive straight into this with our, uh, what What the hell are we calling this first segment? I can't Star remember. Wars Star show Wars and tell. show and tell. Star Wars Show and Tell. I don't know why I can't remember that. Star Wars Show and Tell. And uh, we are going to go ahead and let our guest lead off for this one. So, Ryan, what you got? I have your basic standard looking uh, three and three quarter Greedo vintage. And you would think it's just, you know, like any other Greedo, but this is the only figure I was able to, well, keep from childhood. It was my favorite figure. Uh, sometime around the mid-90s, uh, I got into toy collecting, and I still had a bag full of a few of my Star Wars figures and a bag full of accessories. I can't believe I kept them all. And then went to a toy show, and I had already decided that I no no I was just gonna stick with uh, the new Star Wars stuff. This yeah, being old 95. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't gonna get into that. That stuff was too pricey. Uh, and now think about all the money I wasted on that Power of the Force two crap. Um, <laughs> and traded it all for at the time it was hot. It was the hot figure to have at the time. The um, Mask of the Phantasm figure from the uh, animated movie. Yes. And I traded all that, but for some reason I pulled out the Greedo. And not too many years later, but, uh, and because of Greedo's great grit, uh, he still had his original blaster too. I mean, the original blaster. And um, I still have memory of, very few memories of picking these figures up as a kid, but remember in a KB in the Dadeland Mall in Miami as a little kid, uh, a wall full of the second series, the 21 backs. And that was the Greedo I got out of that. And I was a few years later, I was going through some family photos, and my mom took the most candid picture of me playing with that Greedo on the uh, dashboard of our uh, conversion van. You know, it was the 70s, so we had to have a van. And that's this is the one thing, one figure that's going to be buried or burned with me. I'm not even decided yet. So that's my <laughs> that's my show and tell. Two questions for you. Shoot. The the figure that you traded for, was it the actual, the Phantasm figure that yeah, was also yeah. Andrea Bone? Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And I always was, wanted to get one of those. I don't remember. Help me out. Was it was it that her, she was revealed on the card back? They should have put something over it so you didn't know it was her? Or And I wasn't even a Batman fan. It was just that this was the hot figure of the day. You were trend chasing. Oh, trend chasing in a big. Oh, you mean that it spoiled the reveal in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that's a good point because I, I had seen the movie well before I, I saw the figures or anything. So yeah, but that's a good point. If you did see that figure on the on the peg, then yeah, total spoiler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look that up. Well, also, I was curious what why uh, why Greedo? Why do you think he's your favorite one out of all the figures that there were? Because because the. Uh... 
No, no, that's it. The 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 figure of her was actually her, and then the mask with the 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 cape right next to her. So if you saw that in the uh, and she was she had to have been one per case because it was a female figure. But uh, everybody was hunting it down, and for some reason I had to have it. But yeah, she she was a spoiler figure. Same thing with the blank figure from uh, the Dick, Dick Tracy line. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your second question again? Why, why Guido? Why Guido? Because, and my mom called him Guido back in the day. <laughs> um, because if you could have heard in my ear when I first saw Star Wars, the gears grinding when uh, the cantina scene, that was that was it for me. And I, I just, everything revolved around the cantina scene and seeing those first 21, Greedo was the first one I picked up, uh, Hammerhead being a close second. But you can hear all about that on My Star Wars Story. <laughs> um, or, is that your way of saying you're retreading? No, no, no. It's my way of plugging My Star Wars Story. Cross pollination, <laughs> baby. Yes. <laughs> Although, let me ask you this. When the special edition came out, were you like the one guy on the planet that was ecstatic because Greedo actually got a shot off? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> not the I, I always like the outfit that that figure had. It does not at all resemble the outfit that's in no, the movie, no. but I like the outfit on the figure. It always reminded me of those weight loss pants from that one Monty Python episode <laughs> where they where they staged the great escape and all that. Actually, it, it's 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 uh, guessed at that, um, you know, especially with the blue snaggletooth, which we'll go into later. Um, Kenner only got certain reference photos. And these, kind of the idea was that uh, because his, Greedo's outfit looks a lot like, what's his name? The one with the four arms. The cantina guy. Popeye? Popeye. That's it. <laughs> well, the forearms. Not, not huge forearms. Just, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, the one wearing the gas mask and he has four arms. Mm. Oh yes, suit. sorry. I know who you're talking. Yes, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I hadn't even I've never put that like Fritos. Uh, but that's that's part of the reason why I've never even tried my hand at customizing a uh, like a second series of Cantina guys because like screen accurate. Yeah, no, no, because I wouldn't want screen accurate oh. because Kenner didn't do screen accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went so off model with some of them, they just made it up. You know, uh, Hammerhead turned out with a blue onesie. You're talking the guy that that has the gas mask and he kind of looks like the alien from oh what the hell is that uh, this island earth with kind of like the big bulbous brainy head yeah 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 that guy's got four arms he has four arms wow uh, i don't think i ever noticed that before yeah, yeah apparently you've never collected action figures <laughs> not the modern ones what's his name more searing Oh, oh no. That could be now, amoxicillin. I'm not going to try and say it. <laughs> no, that's... Nabrin Lades? Yeah, yeah. With his World War One uh, gas mask. I liked him when they had simpler names like Walrus Man. Yes. <laughs> Snaggletooth. Yes. That's why we're doing this show. Although I do have to say, this Greedo, his costume, I like the kind of kind of an ascot look he's got to it kind of a bib kind of turtleneck <laughs> kind of, kind of right. he showed up at the cantina to have lobster you know it's it's good well, doesn't doesn't walrus Our man, man have the same thing yeah yeah he has more greedo's outfit than greedo right it's, it's too walrus man he's got more hammerheads outfit doesn't he no 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 he's got more of a he's got that u going around the neck much like a, I think he does. I thought he had kind of a wife beater on. Uh, He had more of the one. (laughs) No, no, he had a jumper. He was wearing a jumper. Right. I'm telling you, it's just like a mafia movie. You got Guido. Yeah, he's got the neck thing too. Kind of, yeah. He's got a little bit of a man boob too. Yeah. (laughs) Scott, what do you got? Hi. My Japanese friend, Brian, 
many years ago. Brian is not Japanese. Brian has lived in Japan for 19 years. Brian's Japanese. Lucky son. Brian Keeney. Um, nearly uh, five or six years, seven, eight years. It'll be like half his life he's lived in Japan. He is six foot five, blonde haired, blue eyed guy living in Japan. And worshiped like a god. Yeah, Brian, I was just going to say that street. makes him king, doesn't yeah, it? Brian yeah. Keeney. And when uh, Brian Keeney, when he walks through the streets of Japan, they all look at him and they go, ooh, Keeney. So there's. Ooh, teeny? <laughs> like a Jawa? Ooh, teeny! Uh, In well, size relationships? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same right. scale. Exactly. So, <laughs> But he works for a company called Hobby Link Japan. And they are a Japanese collectibles company. And that's what they deal in. And he knows of my love for the Star Wars and shares my love for the Star Wars. Also shares my birthday, by the way. Uh, except just seven years older. But... Uh, he sent me, or came when he comes by, when he comes to the country, he often brings me something that they sell that's Star Wars that's Japanese. And one year when he came to visit, he brought a series of small dioramas made by Tomy in 2002. Ooh, wow. And uh, I'm holding with me now. They're, when I say small dioramas, they are probably two inches by two inches wow. square. Mm-hmm. What do you say? No, it's not two and a half. Two and a half by two and a half. I'm sorry, Ryan, the action figure geek got me there. And um, the one I'm holding right now is an AT-AT in the snow stepping over a crashed snow speeder. And it's really fantastic. There's also an R2 and 3PO. There's a Han and Chewie. And, oh, there's a fourth one, and I can't think of what it is right now. But they're they're just gorgeous. Uh, Andy Leyland had me take pictures of them and post them on Facebook all day, uh, one day. So, so I did. And so if you want to check my Facebook page out, you can actually see tons of shots of these and plus shots of like my finger for scale because they're really tiny but they're really highly detailed they're just gorgeous pieces of work that sounds cool i have to look at that they're live i have not seen those yeah they're fantastic i tagged andy in them so you you can see them pretty easily i think can i make a side note yes you may about tomy yes made my favorite i guess you could have saw called it a star wars bootleg back in the day do any of you remember this the robot the little wind up with the little claw hands I'm looking the at it right yeah. now yeah, I'm looking yeah, at yeah. one right now i got I, I, yeah. if, if we were at my house we would i would be looking at one right now too nice. I, uh, didn't we have one of those walk into the toilet once chris <laughs> <laughs> i'd swear i have a memory of us winding one of those up and like like sending him in a straight line to where he walked into like a flushing toilet and went Straight down the drain, and that was the end of it. Wow. Am, I, am I crazy about that? No, we very well could have done that. We used to put microphones in the toilet and flush them. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, that that kind of keeps in in theme with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and we've continued to for so many so years. Yeah. We've improved upon it and expanded. Actually, I I did in a bathroom in a pizza joint in in um, Orlando, oh, this Florida. Is true. Yeah, that was a podcasting first, so far as we're aware. <laughs> so, so far as anyone knows or cares, yeah. Two True Freaks has been the home to many firsts. Bathroom breaks, smoke breaks, all of those. Yeah. (laughs) The phone book. The phone book. (laughs) Yeah, that that little Tomy robot I had when I was a kid, and it was one of my favorite toys, even after the the, um, spring busted in it, and it didn't really work. I still kept it, and then it disappeared over time. And I was at a garage sale. And they just had a big box full of wind-up toys for a quarter apiece. And I was finding Snoopy ones and South Park ones and a lot of Tomy ones from very, other Tomy robots with big long arms. And the arms would spin yep. as they walked. But I didn't remember those from a kid, but they're pretty neat too. And then I found the exact, with the even with the blue dome like mine had. Because there were ones with different colored domes. Yeah. Yep. Mine, yep. mine was gold with a red dome. 
uh, do you remember how they were sold? Because I, I don't remember ever seeing one on a card. I've never seen they one on a card. My recollection. Oh, really? Because they my were on a really bubbly, and the and the little window they were in was really round and bubbly, almost like you know a a, a golf ball or something. You know. Did, did they not also though sell them as kind of impulse items in a little carton where you yes. rip off the top and they're in in little holes like the way holes? the way I remember them is if you can remember. Um, when they would have like the the metal shelves in department stores, like those big heavy metal shelves, right? And they would have the holes in them where you could set up like the wire, like almost like a wire fence around stuff to to like yeah. make segregations and different, yeah, you know, things that you would put in. I, I remember seeing them that way in uh, Chris. What was that that store right there, dead center? Was it Woolworth? Yeah, Woolworths. I remember them in Woolworths that way, and they, they were just dumped there, you know, just loose. For like I don't know whatever they were a buck a piece or whatever they were. That's how I remember them. Because huh. I remember I can remember us going in there. We'd wind like every one of the damn things up and yes. send them down the aisle just to annoy people. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I do now. I go into uh, like <laughs> Bath and Beyond and set all the timers. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's those little there's those little gerbil toys that the kids loved in the last. They're a couple years old, but Zuzu. they were Zuzu pets. Yes, and I you agree. go to a garage sale and there's 50 Zuzu pets sitting in a in a big box, and you just start rustling them around and they start going and you see the people look like they want to kill you. I love doing that. <laughs> Wait, one more question about the uh, Toby robot. Did it make it into your Star Wars play? Sporadically. No, not sporadically. Not Oh, you mean when we would play with the with the? Oh, I got oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was, yeah. Thinking, I was thinking something totally different. Because I was thinking right something totally different too. <laughs> he um, he fit in. If you were doing purchases of the, of the droids, he'd work. He's yeah. plausible. Oh, he's. A, I mean, that's the thing about Star Wars was it was a pretty open. You know, as far especially as far as robots and it, aliens, actually in spaceships. Although there were certain types of spaceships that just aren't going to fit. With you know your space 1999 don't look like they're from the same universe as Star Wars and they're oh, not. I, I incorporated all that stuff. I can remember. I, oh yeah, I did. I did when too. When we but... used to do like the big rebel attacks, you know, you'd have like I had an X-wing, Randy had an X-wing, and then everybody else, you know, all the other rebel figures flew a sneaker. That was the ship that they <laughs> flew. I, you know, I always. So, I, I know. It's funny because I never mixed and matched. Never. Oh, we it always did. Yeah, we were. Star Wars stayed with theirs. Adventure people stayed with theirs. Did they fly oh, a sneaker we, past we were, a potato or a chocolate? <laughs> we were intermingling and Toaster? mixing like crazy all the time. I, I think the only time I ever played with my Daggett figure from Battlestar Galactica was he—he he was just one of those extra droids at a droid auction for the Jawas when I would play Star Wars. Can you, you know? guys hear this? Oh, you're winding him up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. One foot over the other. And you know what just struck me, and I don't know why this has never struck me, but you know what he basically is? He's basically Robbie. He's like the little, the, like little Robbie the Robot. Yeah, he's like right, Robbie, Zuki, yeah. Robbie the Robot. <laughs> Robbie the Robot was one of my favorite robots as a kid. I loved Forbidden yeah, Planet. Forbidden Planet yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. What do you got, Chris? I, you know, every once in a while, if I find myself up at 3 a.m., I usually will do an ending now, ending now or soon search on eBay looking for cheap Star Wars and Star Trek stuff. And as far as my Star Wars collection goes, I think one of the proudest things other than my Marvel Star Wars comics is my t-shirt collection. 
Like I could do plausibly do a, a Star Wars month where I'd wore a different Star Wars t-shirt every month. And I could probably do a few months, but I could, if I did a month, I could do a real strong month where I could thematically pick out my best ones and maybe even have some hits of, you know, a holiday or something and still fit. But I found in this, in within a two day period, two Star Wars shirts, my size used that, um, both were like within, they were both under $3. One was like a dollar forty-five, wow. and would like, I think their postage was like one was two fifty, and one was like a dollar seventy-five postage. So, uh, one of them, I, I first saw it and was like, ooh, and I thought it was a bootleg, but it turns out it's licensed and it's just from last year. And it's the classic picture, you know, from episode four of Darth Vader pointing at Princess Leia in the and you know in the very beginning and it says give me some space yeah i've seen that one so that's an that that's a that's a decent one but the second one i got is beautiful it's that one was a gray t-shirt Eh, not a big fan of gray t-shirts i like black i'm a black t-shirt guy this is a black t-shirt of the empire strikes back it's in gorgeous 70s rust orange um <laughs> cloud you know sundown orange and it ha- it says yeah it's the empire strikes back logo with the the you know the little um movie poster credits under it and above it is uh in in orange a silhouette of boba fett oh yes i've seen that but one. it's yeah that but it's cool. where cloud city's forming his eye holes and, right. there's a, and there's a little tie fighter flying and then sort of it sort yeah. of breaks up I, at the bottom into clouds i think those are based off those oily moss uh movie posters where's 3po has the two eyes of uh tatooine oh yes yeah uh, i haven't seen that one door make up vader's head Mm, maybe i have to see if there's a set that i have to get of these and yeah but this it's it's beautiful it's 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 one i think you're talking about and i love those colors those colors instantly they, they they remind me a lot of the original raiders of the lost ark poster Mm-hmm. Is it is it the T-shirt where um, Cloud City is making up his visor? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. It's part of a, a triptych. Ooh. Okay, yeah. I got to get all good three. Good stuff. Triptych. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's so my it turn? for me. All yeah. right. All right, Chris, you will need to uh, to check your issues on Star Wars Weekly because here's what Ooh. I got this time. Ooh, do you, you have doubles him? now? I do have a couple of doubles. We mentioned him before. We're going to mention him again. Andy Leyland is the man, buddy, because he sent me another big old stack of Star Wars weeklies from across the pond, and I got a whole bunch of great issues here. And this time around, I got a couple of doubles. So if you need either one of these, Chris, I'll be happy to send them to you. Otherwise, maybe we can do like a contest for them or something. But I got these are the double issues. I got number 15 and number 66. And the other ones that were brand spanking new for me, I got number 22, which has an awesome and I mean awesome Tony DiZaniga cover of Luke looking very much like Karate Kid from the uh, Legion of Superheroes. He's on a raft with R2 and 3PO as one of the sea serpents are attacking him. It's from the Drexel storyline, but I'd never seen this cover before. It's really, really cool looking. Uh, Number 28, also part of the Drexel storyline. 29 with a very heroically posed C-3PO that just looks very kind of awkward. 39, part of the wheel story, a really good Carmine Infantino cover on that. 
number 62 and i have no idea uh, maybe this is valence's second appearance i don't know it's got somebody's holding a, a gun on r2 or on uh, 3po and luke but luke looks really strange on that one and number 65 which uh is part of the uh, story the um whatever happened to jabba the hut story it's got Chewie and han just horrified looking at this skeleton being eaten alive by those little grub worm things, whatever they were called. Rock oh, mites? Yeah, was stone that the mites? Michael Golden? No, 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 no. no. no this just is before Infantino. that. Yeah, that was an Infantino this, issue. This is number 28, uh, I want to say. Yeah, it's 28, because it's between yep. the two Valance stories. Okay. That's right. Between yeah. uh, Luke, The Return of the Hunter, which is 27, where he, he has the fight with Luke, and then 29, where he sh- has the show. That's um, right. Yeah. So that is what this other one is. Then this issue sixty-two is yeah. That's the Return of the Hunter. Mm. But the the cover the cover I don't know who the cover artist is, but it's really strange looking because it almost looks like they're on a like a snow planet or something. But Luke w- looks much more like Thunder of the Barbarian than he does like Luke Skywalker, and he's yes. got a very uh, permy looking hairdo there. It's it's just kind of awkward. I don't, I'm not sure who the artist is, but. Again, thank you so much to Andy. I am loving these things. They are, I, I just, I love the format. I love the black and white, and I love the little bonus features that you get in almost every issue. Almost every one of these things has something new, you know, just enough to keep me intrigued, you know, whether it's a pinup or just an alternate piece of art or something like that. Um, well, I'm looking here. Number 15 actually has uh, Star-Lord by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And uh, I'm I'm interested to rediscover that stuff with uh, you know with my interest in Guardians and everything. So now, now which cool issue, stuff. Which issues did you have doubles of again? Fifteen and sixty-six. Mm. Sixty-six, I definitely don't have fifteen because it's only in the first twenty that I have mine spread out. Fifteen it's is the one that has Sasquatch Chewbacca fighting Cantina creatures as part of the what is it eight, uh, eight for a Duba three storyline. I no. yeah, I don't think I have that. I'll have to check though. Okay, I've I've never seen any of these. Uh, how interesting are the adverts in there? Very oh, great. They, yeah, they're very interesting because are, are there any uh, illustrated ads for like Palatoy Star Wars figures? There are advertisements for the action figures. I don't remember. The Palatoy logo showing up, but I'm sure it must have. Oh, yeah, I'll show you some. I'll show. You, I'll take you down to the office after we're done, and I'll show you some because we've got. I got a yeah. decent stack at this point. And he'll show you the Greedo in his pocket. That's right. <laughs> God, Excuse go. me while I whip this out. What's funny is a good number of these. You know, remember these are by Marvel Comics. Yes. Have ads with Superman in them, yes. which ah. is just really strange as well. Oh, yes. Mostly anti-smoking uh, ads, but still, just it's always funny to see Superman show up in a Marvel book. Yeah. If you hear Ryan say later, "Why, yes, I'd love a beverage, Mr. Cosby." Don't <laughs> think anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> wake up discombobulated on half nude on the side of the freeway. What else would be new? That's Friday. Well, the only thing I'll be wearing is a colorful sweater. <laughs> so wrong. What's next? They're going to find out like Jerry Lewis has been harvesting people's organs. I thought that came out like a decade ago. Oh, really? Is there something wrong with that? Yeah. I didn't check on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on what he's harvesting for. I, I shouldn't snap to judgment like that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know this is a sensitive crowd. I'll try to yeah. dial it down. <laughs> But no, you know, one of the other, I mean, if nothing else with those Star Wars weeklies, the toning is there. 
you know, they're they're black oh, yeah. and white, so they have to tone these things. If anybody knows about the the zipatone and all that stuff, yeah. And the toning alone makes it worth noting because it's just very makes the art very different. And the recap pages, which are always new art, so right, yeah, something cool new in those books. And it's just everything. The format of it yeah. is just slightly mm-hmm. different, and it's. They, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, I've got my pad in front of me, and I'm just flipping through some of this stuff. Just so it's so interesting how off model they are in a lot of these things. Yeah, I mean, this mm-hmm. here Vader almost looks like he has tusks. Does he? I mean, like curved up tusks. He's got muscles too, though. Look at him. That's part of the charm of him, though. I think. Yeah, it really. No, is. no, no. That's that's yeah. that's the great. That's my favorite Star Wars. The the early early stuff before everything was nailed down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. They were just forging forward through new territory, and and everybody was. I mean. Of it was so huge, you just had to get it out so quickly that there wasn't time to really be too accurate. And nobody cared. They're just eight-year-old kids anyway. <laughs> well, we have quite the little stack here of listener feedback. Um, it's very gratifying to me to find out that uh, people are really, really digging the new show. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll let the emails speak for themselves because there's there's at least one in here that uh, was very, very touching in the aspect of, you know, we were a little bit nervous about the old show going away and what the new show would be and that sort of thing. So we is it like some conglomerate like <laughs> it's actually Demonza Corp. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so our first one here is entitled Growing Up Star Wars, Episode 1 Feedback, and this is from Kyle Benning. And Kyle writes, Growing Up Star Wars, Episode 1 Feedback, the concept for this show is just awesome. Listening to the three of you guys talk about the hype building around the movie when it hit in 1977 before it made it to your area is so entertaining to listen to. I am younger than all three of you, but the original trilogy had such an impact, a huge impact on my childhood when I was growing up. So it's great to hear you guys' stories when you were in the thick of the action at Ground Zero when Star Wars hit. I can't imagine how incredible that experience would have been to be a kid at that time. I got into Star Wars right uh, before it came back around and had a resurgence in popularity in the early 90s, generating enough buzz to warrant the special edition theatrical releases and eventually the prequels. I was born in 1987, but really grew up as a child in the early mid-80s. Good grief! I grew up on a small farm in northeast Iowa. I was uh, born a poor black child. (laughs) Things were always bad for me. (laughs) The closest town being 8 to 10 miles away and only containing around 600 to 800 people. My father likewise had grown up on a uh, third or fourth generation uh, family dairy farm 5 to 6 miles outside that same small town. Walked to school he was the f- five miles each way, <laughs> uphill both ways. <laughs> and even was- though it was five to six miles away, you could still get a good breath of it. Just take in that that lovely smell of dairy air. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> he, he was the fifth of seven children and would have been uh, 15 when Star Wars hit. Unfortunately, my dad had four brothers who suffered from muscular dystrophy. Mm. So when you're wheelchair bound on a farm miles away from the closest Midwest farm town, there isn't a whole lot to do for entertainment. So my grandma was constantly... So my, yeah, 
Uh, he says, so my grandma was constantly buying my uncle's comic books whenever she went to town, and they even had several comic subscriptions. They even had satellite television, which I would guess made them uh, one of the few homes in several mile radius to have satellite TV in the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah, I remember a lot of farms in the area where we grew up, Chris, uh, at that too, those giant satellite dishes, those ones that look like the ones NASA used to like listen was, to other planets and shit. That was in the day you could watch raw news feeds and yeah, uh, video yeah. feeds from MTV and stuff like or it was that yeah. pre-MTV even. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he says, so my dad and uncles were fully immersed in things that would come to be known as geek culture. Incredible Hulk, Fantastic Four, Superman, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and yes, Star Wars. My dad's youngest brother passed away during his senior year of high school, right around the time that I was one year old. Uh, at that point, as the oldest grandchild, I pretty much inherited all of his things. I inherited an incredible uh, Transformers collection, a couple hundred comic books, boxes of baseball cards, and a ton of recorded VHS tapes that had been taped off the satellite programming. Wow. And then in parentheses, he says, I promise I'm getting to the Star Wars part. No, yeah, I like this. This is awesome. I was just going to say, that's fascinating. That's just like getting a time capsule of a person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I so wanted a satellite dish because of that stuff. Yep. I remember people that we went to school with always telling us stuff like they got to see like the in-between commercial parts, you know, like what yeah, Johnny was doing while they were at yeah. commercial. And stuff. Yeah, they didn't bother the scrambling it because who was watching? <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, Ryan. I remember uh, a friend of mine, his dad got divorced and he got a uh, one of those big satellite dishes right away for I have no idea why. But uh, we'd be over his house and you could see like the, the raw footage of uh, – you know, Rather or Jennings just sitting there. That's awesome. That must have been really cool. Very strange to see because he's talking <laughs> to people off camera and then he's sitting there shuffling papers. How many of them Taking were smoking the... during the breaks? I think Jennings was. I, I, a lot I, of them. Say, I was sure Jennings was. Yeah. Johnny would. I wonder if anybody ever Johnny caught on the like, show. <laughs> for a while, yeah. I wonder if it was ever caught on tape or anything, you know, them saying something that they, they wouldn't say, you know, live on the oh, air. Because yeah. yeah. that happened yeah. with that Atlanta newscaster a few years ago where she cussed somebody out. I'm pretty sure. The saw, thought it was kind of the feed was cut and it was live. At 11 pay more at the grocers. We'll tell you how to get the most. The f*** are you doing? <laughs> That's a keeper. Back to Kyle's email here, he says, uh, while my grandparents may have had satellite TV throughout the 1980s, I, on the other hand, grew up with only three channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Two more than severely, <laughs> uh, That severely limited your programming options, so most of my childhood I was uh, watching all those awesome cartoons from the 1980s that my uncles had taped off of TV. Transformers, G.I. Joe, Thundercats, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Bugs Bunny, etc., were what shaped those early days of my childhood. Many of these shows had long been off the air at the time I was watching them, uh, but they were some of the first programs I ever watched and remember watching them. And then came Star Wars. I think I can remember Return of the Jedi sticking out uh, uh, as early as being three years old. Uh, I don't know that I ever watched the movie in its entirety at the time or even understood uh, what was going on, but I distinctly remember seeing the Gamorrean guards in Jabba's palace uh, when playing with my 1989 Batmobile on the living room floor while my dad watched the movie. They stuck out to me because they reminded me of the pigs we had outside in the barn. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, yeah. I was around five years old when I finally discovered the first Star Wars movie, and it stuck with me. My mom worked as an IT manager and programmer at a local insurance company, and we got a new 
top-of-the-line computers so she could work from home when the weather was uh, bad in the winter. With that computer, we got Microsoft Encarta, the multimedia encyclopedia. And lo and behold, on the Encarta encyclopedia, they had a Star Wars entry complete with the full Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan fight, and then subsequent Luke and gang firefight with the stormtroopers in Escape from the Death Star. I have no idea how my parents came across the clip. They themselves uh, were pretty big science fiction fans as uh, Star Trek The Next Generation was a staple in our household. But once they showed me the clip, I was hooked. That first night, I must have watched that uh, same five-minute scene over and over again at least ten times. Shortly after that, I was uh, being babysat some evening when my parents were out to eat and the babysitter had a VHS copy of Star Wars. And so she agreed to pop it in and my life was never the same. I was blown away. There was that lightsaber duel scene uh, that I had seen so many times on the computer, except now I knew who these characters were. When the movie was over, I begged the babysitter to no avail to let me stay up and watch it again. From that point on, I begged my parents to take me to the local video rental place uh, where they had to shell out seven to 10 bucks a pop per one night. Holy shit, dude. Seven to ten bucks that's a pop per crazy. night of movie rental. I wonder if they that's because they had to rent the VCR too. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That uh, so that I could see the whole trilogy. Oh, maybe that's why, because he was renting the whole trip. But still, that's expensive, especially in the 80s. Anyway, uh, it's crazy to think about how expensive it was to rent VHS tapes. So yeah, yeah, absolutely right. That is crazy expensive. I'm sure they were extremely pleased when the original trilogy was re-released in VHX, uh, VHS box set so they could buy it for me for Christmas. I'm sure the box set cost quite a bit less uh, than what they were spending to rent the same three movies over and over again every month. Do you guys remember those awesome ads for the VHS box set? They showed clips of all three movies, the Death Star exploding, Chewie roaring, Leia in the slave costume, and Han yelling, woohoo, among uh, others with the tagline, released on video one last time. Yes, I was working in video at the time that uh, that those were released. I distinctly that's, remember those ads. That's yes. the THX set. Yeah. Yeah. That ad campaign must have worked. I can imagine the idea of shelling out the money for this limited time offering on VHS uh, compared to another decade of renting each movie over and over again at seven to ten bucks a pop was an easy decision for them. Star Wars Mania had hit me in the 90s and found a new generation of fans. I quickly amassed a large collection of Power of the Force 2 figures and vehicles as Star Wars had now all but replaced many of the other childhood loves. The first figure I got was a Han Solo in Stormtrooper costume, which I got via a mail-away promotion off the back of a Kellogg's Applejack cereal box. Hmm, I didn't even know about that. Those were the days when they actually had sweet promotions for cereal. I got an issue of the X-Wing Rogue Squadron comic from another box of uh, Kellogg's cereal. That one I know about because I actually have that one. That was a yep, mail it. It's a special issue. Like, can I can I just uh, interrupt sure. for a second? Absolutely. My brother worked at the um, company that did a lot of work with uh, Kellogg's at that time, and they had a um, they had like a a, a, a a morgue in there where they would keep like old stacks of Fruit Loops things. Mm -hmm. I tell you how many of those Stormtrooper Hans I got, the comic books I got. What was the <laughs> other thing? There was one more uh, thing. There was the uh, the Rogue Squadron comic book was Applejacks. There was. And there was a videotape. Yeah, there was a videotape. The making of Star Wars videotape. Yeah, I think I only got one. Oh, I didn't know about that. I never, you got one? I think so. I never got one. I got a note in the mail saying, sorry, we ran out of them. Oh. <laughs> and I paid nothing for any I of sent it. mine in, and they sent the note back later because I like, waited and waited and waited. And they finally sent a note saying, "Sorry about that, we ran out. Can't fulfill your order." So I never got one. 
Golly. You got mine as far as I'm concerned, pal. <laughs> he says here, I waited uh, forever for that figure to come until the uh, that one fateful Sunday when I woke up from an afternoon nap and came downstairs into the kitchen and found a little white box with my name on it. When I opened it, I jumped with glee. There finally was the limited Han Solo figure I had been waiting for. That was the uh, first of many figures. Unfortunately, I would lose him in the snow walking to my babysitter's uh, after school some winter day. Oh, that sucks, dude. Since I was carrying my snow boots and had that Han along with a Luke Skywalker in X-Wing fighter suit and a Chewbacca figure all stuffed inside my boots I was carrying. When I arrived at the babysitters and dug into my boots to find my figures, I was horrified to find that they were all gone. Oh, damn, dude. Since I retraced my steps back to the school, digging for uh, in the snow for my lost figures and knocking on every house door I passed to see if someone had picked them up. But unfortunately, they were gone, never to be seen does again. Does this sound familiar, Scott? It sand does, pit? yeah. Yep, I lost my Chewbacca, original Chewbacca at the sand pit. Yep, yep. it does sound very familiar. Heartbreakingly familiar. Yeah, I remember we, we, we made Dwayne Camage actually like help us look for it. Oh, yeah, that's right. For a little while. This is the reason I mentioned all my non-Star Wars geek loves earlier uh, in my letter is that all of those properties, at least at the time I was watching them, were dead. Here were these great properties that I loved. I had comics, toys, and tapes uh, of their episodes coming out the wazoo, but they uh, weren't still on television and no one else at my school had any idea what I was talking about. I was all alone on this 70s and 80s island of geekdom and couldn't relate to any of the hyped up hot properties that all of my friends with cable were currently uh, immersing themselves in. I was enjoying my burn Fantastic Four comics from the 1980s while they were all drowning in the garbage Image and Marvel uh, were putting out on the stands during the 90s. I was a decade behind. But then the 90s resurgence of Star Wars hit and many others at school quickly became as thralled with Star Wars as I already was. Finally, I had some common ground outside of sports to talk with kids of my age at school. I think that's why Star Wars continues to have a special spot for me. Other things I loved as a kid have had resurgences since then, but now with the vast online community out there, I can literally discuss my love for these properties from the uh, 1980s that I grew up with, enjoying with thousands of others whose childhood relied on them. But what makes Star Wars so special was that it was one of the few things I could revel in with my peers at the time it was hot, even if that happened to be 15 to 20 years after the property originally made such a huge impact on the generation that preceded us. So I may, I may not have lived uh, while it was coming out and the cultural phenomenon that you guys experienced at the time when you were there on the ground level, it really still was such a huge part of us 90s kids' childhoods. And thanks to the prequels that came in the following decade, the same can probably be said for those who grew up in the aughts. My favorite movie of the original trilogy has been The Empire Strikes Back ever since I, the first time I saw it. I'm not sure what that says uh, about my mental state as a five-year-old who loves a movie where the bad guys essentially win, but no, never. Uh, but nonetheless, I love it and have always loved Darth Vader. I think I win as Darth Vader uh, every year for the fir uh, from first to fifth grade. Those were the days that you could actually bring a uh, lightsaber to school without being expelled and having all hell break loose. Much less a whip. This guy, this guy sounds like just 10 years off from us <laughs> yeah in a lot of ways yeah says when the special edition movies hit theaters my parents happily took me uh to go see the special edition of empire when it came to the theater 35 miles away and to this day it is still the single greatest movie experience i have ever had 
I had to have been in second or third grade uh, at the time, and it just completely blew my eight to nine year old mind. That car ride never... must have been forever <laughs> to get there. Yeah, I know. Uh, I never really liked the edits and additions Lucas made to Star Wars and Return of the Jedi, but Empire Strikes Back Special Edition on the big screen was incredible. Uh, we went to a really late showing. Uh, I want to say that we didn't get out of the theater until past midnight, and my younger sister passed out in the first uh, half of the movie, but my parents sat there and just reveled in the awesomeness with me. I remember getting a huge Star Wars catalog uh, when we went and saw the film at the theater. I don't know if I got a copy with our tickets or if my parents bought it for me, but I just flipped through this catalog slash magazine until it fell apart. It every, everything Star Wars related you can think of. Pages and pages of Star Wars comic series from Dark Horse, props, costumes, cardboard, stand-ups, you name it. And I had it. I remember... Uh, being intrigued by the pictures of the Star Wars, Sith Wars, Dark Empire, Heir to the Empire, and Clone Wars comics that were in the magazine. What were these series? What other adventures were happening in this uh, Star Wars universe that I wasn't aware of? This was my first real intro into the expanded universe outside of the few uh, Star Wars comics I had uh, I had gotten at the local grocery store. I didn't think it was possible, but it whetted my appetite for even more Star Wars. Uh, I must have thumbed through that magazine slash catalog until it fell apart because I no longer have it. And unfortunately, can't for the life of me remember what the cover looked like. I'm really curious what this book is that you're talking about. And it kind of sounds like something that uh, that Dark Horse put out to promote its uh, its comics is what it sounds like. My love for Star Wars has stuck with me my entire life and even got me into trouble a few times along the way. I remember there was an Oprah special where she interviewed the cast. My parents taped that for me. And while I was watching it, uh, when I got home from school that day and excitedly swinging my Darth Vader lightsaber around, I managed to break not one, not two, but all five of our lights in our ceiling fan. That's what you get for watching <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> I got into a little trouble for that one, he says. Oprah's and always life, trouble. <laughs> and later in life, I would even be arrested and taken to jail while wearing a Darth Vader costume in what I think is possibly the greatest arrest story ever. But since this letter is now three pages long, I'll have to save that story for another <laughs> oh, time. Oh, <dear> God. <laughs> oh, that's uh, not you... fair. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you can't tell by my ranting and raving, I absolutely loved this episode. And it brought back so many awesome memories from my own childhood. I can't wait for future episodes. Bring on more awesomeness from the galaxy far, far away. And again, that's from Kyle Benning. Kyle, thank you for an awesome email. You're I good, really like that one. He's and you good, need man. to... Leave Chris is very more. intrigued for the, uh, yeah, for I the drunken Darth Vader story. Or, yeah, or I'm assuming it's drunken. <laughs> you mean he didn't tell it? No. No. He didn't tell it. No. He's going to no, leave us hanging. It and then He's didn't... teasing it. Yep. Uh, he wants smart. to make sure that we want him back for a, for a future email. Yeah. Smart move, Benning. All right, this next one is from our good buddy Matt Hunsworth, and he writes in, he says, Star Wars in characters charity auction. He says, hi, Scott and Chris. Don't forget the other Scott. Or maybe he was talking about you and now, he forgot you... me. He's... No, it's no. Another right, smart you one. Guys, you guys are the two true freaks. So <laughs> I was just left out in the cold. Now, I did an entire episode of my Star Wars story with Matt Hunsworth, and apparently it just uh, it, he didn't remember it well enough, I guess. Maybe he thought he he was covered by just saying hi Scott. Yeah, <laughs> hi Scott. Maybe, maybe yeah. It should be it should be Scott's plural. Yeah. Scott. <laughs> anyway, he says uh, it's Matt with the Star Wars and Character Podcast and NeoZaz.com with my biannual email to the show. He says. 
Ooh, I'm writing about. Emails. Yeah, no, it's it, this is a short one, but uh, but no, he has a he has a really good thing he's bringing up here. He says I'm writing about our yearly charity auction for Toys for Tots with our Art More project. All our artist works uh, are in, and the auction date has been set. We're putting together a page on our website with all the information, links, and an audio promo for every aspect of the benefit auction. If you'd be uh, willing to share any of the information from this post in any form, we'd greatly appreciate that help. And he gives a, a link here. I will be playing that here shortly. He says, thanks again for the help and the great artwork. He says, you've really knocked growing up Star Wars out of the park. I really hope uh, we all find the time to work together very soon. Yes, Matt, we definitely want to have you on the show. We've been saying this, what, for like two, three years now? That's yeah, got so to happen. We have yeah. got to have a crossover with Matt. And again, that's from Matt Hunsworth. Star Wars in character. Give that show a listen, and I'll play that promo right now. Throughout 2014, Newsaz.com and the Star Wars in Character podcast have worked with 60 artists from all over the United States, Canada, and Europe to bring together the most stunning and amazing pieces of custom artwork for the Artmore Project. One-of-a-kind works of art built from sets of Mandalorian armor. The 2014 Artmore Project Benefit Auction takes place Sunday, December 7th, 6.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at TheBigToyAuction.com. This benefit auction is the grand finale of the Star Wars in Character podcast and Newsaz.com's annual Toys for Tots fundraiser with all proceeds going to the Philadelphia and Orlando area Toys for Tots. For more information on this auction and a pre-bid on any of the 2014 Artmore Project pieces, visit TheBigToyAuction.com or Newsaz.com slash auction. This auction is a can't-miss event of the 2014 Artmore Project featuring some of the greatest one-of-a-kind works to date. This event will only happen once on Sunday, December 7th at 6.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and only at TheBigToyAuction.com. Next one is entitled simply Growing Up Star Wars. It says, fellas, it says, I was a big fan of Star Wars Monthly Monday and nervous about the change, but uh, have been pleasantly surprised by how quickly I've grown to enjoy this new show. See, I told you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It says, here is the short version of how I first saw Star Wars. I lived overseas from 1975 to 1978, and a uh, school club I was in was hosting the school's monthly movie night fundraiser. Sometime in late 77 or early, early 78, we were given a list of films that, we were, uh, that were available, and Star Wars was on the list. How or where that print came from, I have no idea. But I was the only person in the room excited about the movie, and the teacher advisor uh, for the group thought I was talking about War of the Worlds as Star Wars was a movie few of us in the group had heard of, and she never had. And I guess she wasn't going to have us waste our fundraising opportunity on some schlocky sci-fi film. We ended up showing a largely unknown Hitchcock movie. So I missed my chance to be the kid that brought Star Wars to hundreds of my classmates on a big screen. Months later, another student's dad brought in a video recording of the movie, and a couple dozen of us saw it after school one day on a 17-inch TV. Oh, well, at least I'm not bitter about it, he says. <laughs> Keep up the good work, and that's from Professor Allen. Professor Allen! Professor Allen. I that's still love good... Professor Allen. I love I Professor do. Allen. I just got a package from him, but that'll be in a comics episode. Although I did get a Star... I Actually, I did get a Star Wars... Swag, I got a episode um, one card game with Ooh. a uh, pewter um, Qui-Gon and um, oh, what, Darth Maul. Hmm. And you, you somehow position them, and it's it's really cool. And I got a stack of comics, but 
What's the size on this? I don't have them right here, but they're about yay big. Roughly, I would say about an inch and a half. That's cool. They're very similar to the to the Monopoly mm-hmm. ones that they had around that. Yep. Say they're a little bigger though, but they're very similar models to those ones. And the lightsabers are all misshapen. Horrifying. I would be remiss. If- I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Professor Allen is the host slash co-host of Shortbox Showcase, also the host of the Quarterbin podcast that uh, I just recorded an episode with him uh, earlier today. He had me on as a special guest for a special project that'll be coming up uh, soon is all I know. So look forward to that. It was a really good recording. Cool. Next one here is from our good buddy Gene Hendricks, and he writes, Growing up Star Wars Episode 2. He says, Scott, Chris, and Scott. See, there you go. Properly addressed. With me being first. Thank you. He says, first off, let me thank you three for taking me down memory lane. No, I don't don't have all the same experiences with Star Wars that you did, uh, only being one to one and a half when it first came out. I'm not sure when it showed up in our area, though, so I can't tell you how old I was then. But hearing you guys talk about it makes me feel like I was there. One thing that I was there for were the books on tape. In fact, I still have my Return of the Jedi set from 1983. See attached pictures. And yes, he sent me a bunch of great pictures uh, in the email here of his uh, book and tape collections. And uh, Gene, I'll just tell you, man, I I love these pictures because there's a lot of these I have myself and then a lot of them I haven't seen um, you know, the Star Wars, these book and tape and, and book and record things, they were part of a, of a larger Disney set where Disney did a lot of their uh, classic story. You know, they did uh, movies like The Black Hole and stuff, but they also did, you know, Snow White and Cinderella and all of those. And I collect those as I chance across them on the cheap. So it was neat to see some ones that I don't have from my own collection. Uh, let's see, attached picture. Um, We used to take these on uh, long car trips, uh, usually family vacations, in order to keep my sister and I quiet. I believe we had this set uh, with us on our first trip down to Walt Disney World. Yes, my family uh, always drives down, he says. We played the heck out of them. Uh, Listening to you talk about them brought me right back to those trips. In fact, I'm listening to the Star Wars one as I type this. Secondly, I want to tell you, Mr. Gardner, specifically how much I appreciate the production values. Being a podcaster myself, I know how much work goes into all those musical cues, and I am grateful for the time and effort put in. It really sounds like a labor of love, and the joy that all three of you have talking about this time in your lives really comes through. Finally, let me tell you that I was apprehensive when I heard that Star Wars Monthly Monday was going away, but I understood the reasoning. Maybe it's nostalgia talking, but I think that growing up Star Wars is a vast improvement. I really enjoyed Star Wars Monthly Monday, but the new show, to quote Michael Bailey, hits me right in the feels. Keep up the great work, guys. And again, that's from Gene Hendricks, the uh, host of the Hammer Strikes and Quantum Cast and Anime Freaks and a whole bunch of other stuff that he's doing on our feed uh, at Two True Freaks. Excellent email. I really, really liked that one. For this time around, I think that's where we're going to call it a close. I do have a couple others in the queue, but as they are rather longer ones and this segment's gone a bit longer than I wanted to go, I think we'll call it quits right there. So you guys want to take a little break and then come back with uh, the Journal of the Wills? Sounds good. All right. Does anybody need a piss break or anything? I'm good. During that letter. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, already filled a gallon during that one. I'm sorry, that I was reading as fast as I could and that was still a man 
We all remember seeing years ago those futuristic drawings saying what the future is going to be. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. That was all started by a mountain. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in America. Two True Freaks proudly presents... We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. Golf courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels. Earning my ears. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. Earning My Ears, a Walt Disney World-centric podcast, is available monthly at twotruefreaks.com. For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it for the very first time. The Star Wars Trilogy. Three timeless adventures that changed movie making forever. Now the entire trilogy, digitally mastered in THX, for the ultimate in sound and picture quality. This will be your last chance to own the original version of Star Wars, the George Lucas masterpiece that launched the Star Wars trilogy. The Force is forever. For all generations. The original Star Wars trilogy on video. One last time. Welcome back to Growing Up Star Wars, where it's time for our Journal of the Wills segment which of course is our list. We take a topic and we pick the top three things on our list. Today's topic, the top three Star Wars films that aren't Star Wars films. Chris uh, Chris or Scott? I'll, I'll take it because it was my idea. So okay. My, my voice up on this press. one. You, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think I might have picked one of the more annoying and uh, scandalous lists too. <laughs> oh. oh, you better not have you better so, not have the movie on there that I think you might have on there. I'll bet oh, I, I don't know. I'll, if bet you... I'll bet I've got that movie on there. Oh, I don't you know. You probably do. Well, wow. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> now, now I'm interested in my own list. Now the pressure's on. <laughs> Usually I count down from three to one, but I'm going to go from number one to number three. Not that I really listed them in any preference or order. And uh, I'm confused. <laughs> um, I'm a contrarian man. Um, number <laughs> that's one, the word I was looking for. Contrarian. You. That's the word I was looking for. N- number one was uh, Serenity, the movie version of the Firefly TV show. Mm-hmm. Very Star Warsy in feel and that sort of loose, freewheeling story sort of way. And, and maybe the most obvious one on my list. Number two is from 1958. And that's Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, which hmm. has a lot of story elements or escorting a princess, rescuing and escorting a princess. There's a lot of the, the you know, there's you, you can go to YouTube and see lots of people cutting back and forth and side by side 
the you know two two guys arguing with each other walking yeah, through the sand dunes. Yes, they're three PO and R two all day long. And um, I, I'm sad that I didn't put that on my list, Chris. Well, that already knocked one off of my list. Did it really? Yeah. I don't know what happened. I had that on DVD and I loaned it to somebody and I can't remember who and I don't know where it is now. And it's strange because Seven Samurai was an episode of. Uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars, yeah. Ambo. Not to mention it's the inspiration for Jackson. Oh, really? Well, I mean, when you think, I mean, it's the eight for yeah. number three is a seven samurai yeah, story. that's true. That's true. In fact, if you remember when they first introduced the characters who recruit Solo and Chewie, they're drawn as Asian, very, Asians. very Asian Oh, you're characters. right. You're and right. In the next episode, they're turned into Tatooine-style farmers. They were scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess this is where Lucas got his idea to tell the epic story from the point of view of the lowliest characters. Yep. You know, yep. having that's the lowliest great... characters sort of pull you through the story. So that's my number two. That's great. My number three is Star Trek Into Darkness. Hmm. Not because it... I was like, wow, that was a great Star Wars film, but it was basically J.J. Abrams you know try out for his here's what i can do all this you know the action set pieces were star wars set pieces it's like here look i can reconstruct you know the millennium falcon escaping from the death star and jedi and and all that and it was you know more star wars and feel than episode one at least (laughs) not you know i'm not saying in a positive way but I figured I was trying to avoid. I, I just I, there there was one movie I was trying to avoid because I just didn't want to pick an obvious one, and, and I thought I could get something different in there. But I remember walking out of it going, "That was more more Star Wars and Star Trek." So you know this what? my top three, leaving everybody going. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, none of none of mine have been knocked out yet. I, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, me yeah. either. Uh, can I go next? Sure. All right, so I am going from three to one in the proper order. Okay. Mr. Honeywell. <laughs> now, <laughs> sort now. of a, a sort of a count up or countdown, however you want to look at it. What's that, Scott? Uh, no, I was just gonna say I was I was when you said you were counting from three to one in the proper order. I was remembering the old Starlog article that insisted that the prequel trilogy was going to be released episodes three, two, then one. <laughs> really? Yeah. I do not remember that. Mm-hmm. Sounds weird. like a troll to me. <laughs> So the only one on this list that I was a little shaky about, I'll leave it to you guys to, to decide what you think, is my number three. I struggled with this. I really did because I have never been a big fan of movies that being proclaimed the new Star Wars. And a lot of them have in the past 30 some years. A lot of movies have been proclaimed. Either they proclaim themselves or other people proclaim them to be the new Star Wars. And it's always annoyed the living hell right out of me. Because I don't usually agree with that. So it was kind of tough to find a list of, you know, like you say, Star Wars movies that aren't really Star Wars movies. But here, here's what I came up with. So my number three, the original Tron from 1982. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not a space movie. You know, they're not out in space. They're not shooting and flying around and going to other planets or anything. But it's more the story is very Star Wars to me. You know, the, the fight against oppression. And I find Sark and the MCP to be very much like Vader and the Emperor in that role. And for Tron to be very Luke Skywalker-like. But what's cool about that movie is that the real hero of the movie isn't Tron, even though that's the name of the movie. It's really Kevin Flynn, who's very much the Han Solo character in there. So those are the parallels that I see there. And plus, Tron 
is an innovator the same way that Star Wars was an innovator when Star Wars came out and kind of revolutionized the movie industry. Tron didn't exactly overnight change the movie industry, but clearly the movies that we're getting today, especially like say Pixar movies, for example, all owe directly back to Tron. So Tron kind of, you know, had its own impact on, you know, how we make movies and how we look at, you know, particularly like sci-fi and, and CGI movies. And it um, built a really immersive world. Uh, definitely. It's a, most it's definitely. A, made sense within itself. And, and a very loyal uh, fan base as well. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm hoping isn't quite as controversial that you'll, you'll kind of see more of a, a direct parallel here. And uh, that would be The Last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Oh and my God, I didn't even think of that. Of all the movies that came out right around the time of Star Wars and Empire, you know, there were a lot of Star Wars knockoff movies, most of them not very good. I think Last Starfighter is one of the few that really does work, even today. Early CG, too. It's early CG. The CG still holds up pretty darn good. I mean, it's it's clearly, it's dated. I mean, you, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt when you watch the CG in it and not laugh at it. But for its time, it was mind-blowing stuff. And as a film and as a story, still holds up remarkably well. It's still a very entertaining movie, has a great soundtrack. And the thing that I really like about that movie is that, again, there were so many Star Wars knockoff movies, most of them tried to use the exact same formula of Star Wars, so you would generally get you know, the, the, the kind of naive farm kid or whatever as the, the Luke Skywalker parallel. They never worked for me, except this movie. Alex Rogan really works as the Luke Skywalker analog for this movie. And I it's really kind of E.T. meets Star Wars in a way. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it very much is. Um, if Michael a, was the center of E.T. instead of Elliot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But just a, a great movie that I think really, really holds up well. And number one on my list, probably not going to shock anybody. Uh, again, with you know there being so many movies over the years being proclaimed the new Star Wars, like Dune and The Fifth Element being two that always come to my mind. Neither one of those, I think, you know, it's it's just always annoyed me those, when people said those. Both uh, of know, those, those are the could new have Star made Wars. my list. One of them already made my list. Ah. Uh. Well, we'll we'll discuss more when we get to that. Then but, I got uh, your back, man. This one is being proclaimed the new Star Wars by a lot of people, and I gotta say, for the first time in forever, it doesn't bother me i i kind of agree this is you know the the star wars of a new generation and that's guardians of the galaxy that's the last one off my list (laughs) (laughs) it just hits those beats in in so many ways just a a fantastic movie that you know i can't stop re-watching this movie and that's the first movie since a star wars movie where i'm watching it like a couple of times a day because I just, I, I'm just sucked into it the same way I was with Star Wars and Empire as a kid, oh. where I just wanted to, to watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it to absorb everything I possibly could from it. It's hitting that Star Wars button for me. So, yeah, definitely Guardians is number one. That's my list. Hmm. And, Ryan, you say you have no list now? I basically have no th- What was your list? Mine was uh, The Hidden Fortress, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Fifth Element. <laughs> uh, the other two being, um, you know, I'm more of a visuals kind of guy. And the fifth element, I just, you know, the story was a little bit lacking. And it, it seemed a little too, uh, 
too clear that Jean-Luc Besson was he wanted to create his own franchise. Yes. Um, but still, you know, visually appealing. Uh, the design work in it was pretty good. The sound uh, design was amazing. I haven't I haven't heard it well enough and long enough that I, I don't really remember that as. Uh, I'm sure that was like one of the first things I noticed about it. Like maybe it was because I was in like a big theater with the with the surround sound and stuff yeah, but it's yeah. just really good sound design yeah but still enjoyed it very much i mean with especially with the nods to uh blade runner too mm-hmm. you know mix them all up in a pot and you know i'll take a bite mm-hmm. so go ahead scotty mm-hmm. all right well i put together a list of four because i knew somebody would take one off my list and i would still have three i still have four. Ooh, wow so if you don't mind i'm gonna spool out all four they are in no particular order all right first I'm going to give you J.J. Trek, the first one. And when I walked out of that film, the first time, you know, you always have your conversation with your friends afterwards, and they always, what did you think? And my first thing I said was, that was a pretty good Star Wars movie. It was not a Star Trek movie, but it was a pretty good Star Wars movie. It was built around these action sequences. It was built around mission-oriented action sequences. And uh, visually, to me, it was a Star Wars movie, period. Uh, Willow. Willow's a Star Wars movie. That's the ah one. Because it works. Willow is a Star Wars movie, period, paragraph. The the, uh, heroic journey, Joseph Campbell, it's all there. The character archetypes are there. The banter's there. The romance is there. The swashbuckling is there. George Lucas is there. Wicked is there. Wicked is there. It's a Star Wars movie. Would you disown me if I admitted that I've never seen Willow? I've never seen it either. I would disown you if you said you hated it, but I won't disown you if you said you never saw it. No, I've never seen it. Neither have I. We will make that happen. Flash Gordon, 1980. Ooh. I thought a lot about that one, man. A lot about that you one. You know That's... how many times over the years I've had conversations with either non-geek or semi-geek friends who recall scenes from The Empire Strikes Back that were not in The Empire Strikes Back <laughs> or in Flash Gordon, 1980. Oh, you remember when Luke was running? He's on Dagobah and that thing comes out of the, out of the ground and tries to swallow him up? Nope, that was Flash Gordon. Remember they had that Lobot guy in Cloud City? Yeah, and then they had the whole bank of Lobot guys with the glasses on them, and they ripped the guy's glasses off, and they all fit. No, that was Flash Gordon. Or the Black Hole. <laughs> but it just, uh, it, it, there are so many scenes in that film that are very similar to things that happened in The Empire Strikes Back that I can't not say. And, of course, and again, the source material, Flash Gordon, is obviously I mean, it's what right. you just want to do in the first place. So... But it's, it really is amazing it, when you go through and they look. You look at the, oh the, the other one is the uh, the red soldiers with the gas masks and things on. You know how many times I've been told those were Imperial guards in some scene from Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> They're not. So that's that. And then my fourth one is a movie about a guy who's comfortable in his rural setting, but he's wistful for more. And then he's forced out by the head of a an evil empire. He has to hit the road on his heroic journey. Along the way, he goes into a bar and meets a big furry guy who can then transport him to his destination. He meets a ragtag group who team up to help him defeat the evil empire and fulfill his dreams. I am, of course... talking about the Muppet movie? I am talking about the Muppet movie! (laughs) (laughs) Bravo, sir, bravo. How could I have not seen it? It was there all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, moving right along, yeah. I'll have to get David Collins to auction and see if they can do something with that. 
Moving right along, right along. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. I really, yeah. This looks familiar. Vaguely familiar. Wait, don't they at Star Wars, uh, uh, Star Wars, the Star Wars week in uh, Orlando, the Disney one? Mm Mm-hmm. Don't they put them in a Studebaker, like from... Uh, they put Star Wars in a Studebaker? They put the um, the special guests in a Studebaker, Bullet Nose Studebaker, that was the car in uh, Muppet Movie. Is that right? I think it's painted the same color as the Landspeeder, too. I did not realize I'm that. I'm totally wrong, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough about cars. But that's it's my list. It's been too long since I've watched a Muppet Movie. That's excellent. No, that that I think that totally works. That's cool. Well, I'm glad nobody uh, stuck to Dune or... Well, I was gonna I was gonna say Fifth Element, but Ryan brought up Fifth Element. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I don't, maybe maybe I need to give it another look. I only ever watched it once, and the only thing I, I walked away liking out of it was Ian Holm. I can never not like Ian Holm. He's just a great actor. But uh, beyond that, it, it did nothing for me. Even the naked chick running around in it did nothing for me. Lilo, come on. Yeah. The I've seen some Lilo great Lilu cosplayers. Yeah, as, yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say, yeah, with the one in, in the actual movie, and yeah, not so much. I liked her better as uh, what's her name from Resident Evil. Mm. Anyway, anyway, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm reaching a critical mass here. So can we have uh, can we have five and then come back and wrap this puppy up with the with the toy thing? Yeah. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. Yes, yeah, for me. Now, it's here, the excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings, haze together. For two crunches in every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C-3PO's. A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. This looks familiar, vaguely familiar. One of the first soundtracks I ever had. Oh, yeah. Like, my first, I I joined the Columbia Record Club as a kid. And, uh, that's what you got that on record? To specifically get the Star Wars soundtrack. Ah. But I got the Muppet Movie soundtrack. I got the Rocky soundtrack. Let me tell you something about the Star Wars soundtrack. Counts as two selections. Yes, I know. (laughs) Didn't care. I can still, I, I will still tear up at Rainbow Connection. Which, why they never made a game? No, but stop it! Stop it! <laughs> why they never made a what? Oh, he d- it's, every, it's a, it's a recurring joke time. on our show. Why didn't they never make a kid's line of clothes called the Rainbow Collection? Oh my god. It's not even a good joke. It would, well, if they did, it would be great because it would mean something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowadays, yeah. Crotchless pants for kids. Hey. Well, nowadays, now they just made the underoos for adults. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Which, surprisingly, are less creepy on adults <laughs> than they were on kids. All right. The wife, the wife's just the opposite of what I would have thought. Although, let me oh, tell you, it's, the art for this one is going to be so fun. I got uh, Ryan, I got to get a good headshot of you. Are so you gonna, I can, Are you going to put us in the cantina scene? I no, I'll probably put us on little, like, joyful little kids' heads playing with, you know, the kids, the... Happy little kids that are in the Sears catalog. I'll Darn, probably I, put it, 
I thought you would put we our heads be, on no, the... No, 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 that's a better idea. Put our heads on the action figures with the uh, cantina backdrop. Oh, I love that. Okay. I love that idea. Chris. I'll also send you that picture of me with the Greedo when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. If you guys, the, the bigger, the if you guys can find nice big pictures of those, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to find some. But if any of you got like really like big of of the, the background, the playset. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, hang scene on, playset. Yeah, I, I downloaded it. Hang on. I'll send it to you right now. It's a nice big one. Yeah, it is. I have the There's big gentle take. giant one. <laughs> And they made a backdrop for it. I could pose something. Yeah, the more the more big artwork I have, the the more I have to work off of. All right, Chris, take a look at that picture in the bottom. Hang on, now I'm not looking at the picture. Give me just a second here. He just sent us Godzilla. <laughs> it's the bottom right hand picture, Chris. Does that look familiar? Okay, it's still downloading. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I won't ruin it. I think I still have this in a box somewhere here at the house. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Oh, my God, yes. You remember him? He was one of the Sucker Man. I remember Sucker Man going in the toilet. Yep, I put him, he was stretched across Sucker Man wasn't going down the toilet, though, man. No, he was stretched across the the toilet seat, and my old man went in in the middle of the night to, you know, use the bathroom, and Sucker Man touched his Everybody remembers Sucker Man. He's like, ah, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I remember remember us opening up with the the bathroom door crack when Michelle was in the shower and whipping Sucker Man over the... Over the shower curtain at her. Did all your play dates revolve around the bathroom for some reason? <laughs> it, it was savage around Scott's house if you yes. were there hanging out with Scott or like. The house was only made of toilets. By the way, I remember uh, Sucker Man was also. I got nowhere else to play. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Sucker Man was a completely different toy, though. Uh, Sucker Man was also a 70s black exploitation film. <laughs> I'm gonna get you, sucker man. That should be the first two true freaks movie. <laughs> Scott would Scott would wing sucker man at your head, and he would just like glot. It was he would you know grip onto you like a squid. Jeez. Scott See, was, was also prone. Scott was also prone to having really sweaty, stinky feet, and, <laughs> and you would be like do, reading a comic or something. You'd go, hey, and you'd turn your head and just have this like horrible socked foot right in your nostril. Is that what you were trying to say? It was ruthless there. Nice. I was geeking out over the Mego page in the 1977 uh, J.C. Penny catalog because there's the Batcopter that I was raving I saw past episode. 1097 driving... was all it cost. I saw this driving game I had that actually had bands inside of it that rotated with the other cars on yes, it. At a yes. Steering wheel. Yes. And then it would like flash red when you'd run over another car. Yep. I saw that thing in there. I saw all sorts of stuff that like I've broken and lost over the years. I want this Star Trek the Motion Picture bridge set here. Yes. That's friggin' cool. Good looking. Good looking stuff. Seven ninety nine. Yeah, there's a comic shop in uh, Orlando that has it for sale, but I want to say they want like I don't know, it's at least a hundred bucks for it. Whoa. Is it in the box? Yeah. That's actually kind of a hard set to get for 100 That's not bad. Yeah, I know, but I, I'd never pay that for it, but I'd love to have it, though. It's gorgeous looking. 
I don't think I have any of those figures though from from motion picture. They're hard to, to find, or at least they have been for me to find them. I have Star Trek three figures. No, motion picture figures are pretty easy to get. It's the second series of the Aliens. Ah, uh, yeah. Canada and uh, Italy, and a lot of Mego stuff you'll find that's very rare, like the uh, second series of uh, Black Hole stuff like that. The only reason right. why they were found in Canada and Italy is they had to pay up front. So the line would uh, the line would tank, and then U.S. manufacturer uh, the U.S. market didn't want it, but it was still already paid for. So Mega would have to uh, make it and send it to Italy and Canada. That's why some of the best Mego stuff ever comes out of those two countries. Wow. You ever see those uh, motion picture figures at a decent price? Let me know, because I'd gladly pay you back for them. Because I can never, I can never put a hand to them for a decent price. I think you can pick them up pretty easily. If I find any, I'll, I'll let you know. Chris, you want to bring it back? Sure. Hello, and welcome back to Growing Up Star Wars Episode Three. And now we're going to get into the main meat and potatoes, all kinds of potatoes, <laughs> and. Uh, our main focus this month is going to be the line of Sears exclusive Star Wars toys. How yes, is that? It is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Did I do it right? Well, you know, it's not all Sears exclusive because I think the first right. exclusive was a J.C. Penney's exclusive, wasn't oh. that right, Brian? No, I think what, the first was the, one was actually the Cantina. The Landspeeder wasn't the no, first that one. Was, that was the land, the uh, remote control Landspeeder. Mm-hmm. I can't say. I think they probably came out at about the same time because the same catalog, the same year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I'll tell you this: the both? first one I freaked out about was the Creature Cantina, or the Cantina Adventure set, and the reason was because it was all about the action figures, and there were four action figures in there that you could not get anywhere else. What were the four? Why? It's funny you should ask, Scott Gardner. Uh huh. There were four Cantina patrons. There was a uh, Greedo, Walrus Man, Hammerhead, and. Snaggletooth, a very, very tall what was Snaggletooth. special about Snaggletooth? Snaggletooth was a tall guy wearing blue and silver boots. Yeah, there's a little bit of fuss about that Snaggletooth. Yes, a little huh? bit, a little bit. Did did any of you guys have that playset? I did not. No. I didn't even know I, I wanted it. I wanted really? stuff. I didn't get stuff like that. See, I, uh, I, I let me tell you, when I was, and this is, you know, a lot of this show for me is going to come back to that Sears Wish book, those Christmas catalogs. When I was, you know, and you, Scott, I sent you a link, and, and Chris, I sent you a link to these uh, these Christmas catalogs, these old catalogs, and you guys both just went nuts looking at the old Christmas catalog stuff. I was a baby who never slept, and I never took naps. And so the way my mom would get some free time, get a break from me, was she would put me in the crib with a Christmas catalog. And NyQuil. And no. <laughs> and Jim Beam. And, and the uh, exhaust from the car. Yeah. <laughs> a little more tricky just just the right amount but uh but no that i mean so i mean i grew up staring at the christmas catalogs that was my favorite thing in the world to do as a kid and i would just sit and drool over them and drool and i remember you know they'd always come in september and when they showed up in september by golly you know i was i'd run in and all the christmas catalogs here it's uh you know um so uh, the christmas catalog was a very important thing to me when i saw that you know, the beginning, and again, it's September, it's early in the school year. And I saw that. And I, Holy cow, I got to wait till Christmas for this. And all day long, Christmas, all morning, I'm opening all my presents. And I opened every present my parents had for me and every present Santa had for me. And there was no Cantina Adventure set, no figures. I was crushed. And that afternoon, we went over to my grandmother's house. And my grandmother always gave me a jacket. 
That was grandma's thing. Here, here's a jacket. And never good toys. Never good toys. And so I got my package from my grandmother, and I knew I was going to open my jacket, and there it was, my Cantina Adventure set with my four new action figures. Oh, so you actually had it then. Oh, yeah. He still has uh, it now. I still have all the figures. I don't think I have the playset anymore. I think it crumbled. Yeah, but you still have your blue snaggletooth. I still I, have my blue snaggletooth, yes. I had to pay a pretty penny for that uh, figure when I... Much less than uh, I think when I got it was pretty early on. It was about a hundred, maybe one hundred and twenty. Uh, I did the unthinkable wow. now that it was still in the plastic bag that it came in, and I cut that open because I wanted a perfect set of figures. Um, big mistake, but um, I think I paid like one hundred dollars to wow. twenty maybe, and that was like stretching it. And really, when you think about the uh, the playset itself, cost eight seventy seven in the catalog, which means it really was nothing more than an action figure delivery system. Because you, at Playland near yeah. my house, the figures were two twenty nine each anyway. So really, you divide that by four, and you got less than the cost of buying in four individual figures in the store. Well, that was that was a lot of the idea behind these is deliver action figures with a cheap printed paper, you know, they weren't going to do tooling for anything. So for the most part, it was just uh, get the figures out there as a, you know, because when you would buy these from the catalogs too, you could also get bundles of figures from Sears. And, yep. Uh, yep, that's yeah. right. And you would get a box, uh, you know, with three or four figures in it. Yeah. In, in fact, they didn't sell them individually in the catalogs. You had to buy them in the yeah. bulk. Usually so. a theme to them, too. Mm-hmm. Vader and two um, Stormtroopers, stuff like that. Will they do two Stormtroopers? Yeah, I actually saw one in New York City. almost bought it for 100 bucks, and wish I had. Wow. Still in the package. Wow. Now, you said that originally all four of these figures were, were exclusives, but I know that the Greedo, the Hammerhead, and the Walrus Man that they're showing here are the same ones that I had. So were, did they release them later? Yeah, there were no. There were still 12. You got to remember, the Star Wars cards were still 12 bags. Right. There was nothing but the original 12, and then all of a sudden, these four. I gotcha. And 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 the, the snag, Blue Snaggletooth wasn't different and exclusive by design. They didn't go, hey, we're going to slip this in. You'll never be able to get it anywhere else. It just was... They realized after they made this run that they'd screwed up. When Kenner sent the uh, the work from photos to uh, when Lucasfilm sent the photos to Kenner, all they sent was a picture of uh, Snaggletooth from the waist up. So they just assumed that he was just the same size as the other figures. I gotcha. Yeah. So he's he's almost a, a prototype in a way. Is that right? It's just he's just a, a very short run. It, it, same thing, kind of with the uh, small head Han versus big head Han. It was a <laughs> yeah. same, same thing with the vinyl cape Jawa. Boy, I hate know? that big head. I hate that big head. You I mean Ringo Star? I, yeah, or I just always called it grape head. I just oh, look like a big grape. Look just like Ringo. Ah. Chris and I used to call him John Graw because he looked just like this kid John Graw <laughs> that we went to school with. <laughs> Yeah, I just, how just anyway, dude. we could get a picture yeah. of John Grom from the yearbook. Oh, probably, oh, probably. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I'm looking at. I don't know what page this is. I'm looking at here, but I'm looking at one of the pages that has the Falcon and everything, and it is the Hydrocephalic Han Solo on that <laughs> on that page. And the now the other thing again, Sears. I guess it was that same year had that. Uh, was it was it a radio controlled? Was it the Sonic controlled Sonic land? Control, yeah, because Sonic it was more control. of a click click. Okay, because R2D2 was radio yeah. control. Yeah, and which was strange because uh, you know that was completely different 
from the regular issue, uh, the whole body of it. It's not like they crammed electronics into um, a regular land speeder. So it's a whole different sculpt. Whole different, whole different uh, kettle of fish. Really? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just the regular land speeder, no, but and I different. Think the reason why no. uh, they cut it short is because they got a lot of problems with that. Mm. Same thing with the remote control R two D two. A lot of returns. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't return mine. I still have them. I drove everybody nuts at grandmother's that afternoon the year I got them. What was the noise it was making? Great. Over and over. Anything he did, turn his head. And that's the thing is he was not a fast-moving vehicle. No. And you had to turn the head in the direction you wanted R2-D2 to go. So you had to turn his head to get him to square his body up, and then you would you know, then you would point him straight ahead and go in the direction you want to go. So very slow process to get him to go. And the entire time, so, yeah, great. Sounded just like R2-D2. Now, the next exclusive, I guess, really was the Cloud City one, right? Um, I'm actually looking at something, but, um, let me think about it. You gotta think about it. <laughs> yeah. You're the authority. We brought you here to be the authority. Well, that's your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> now, didn't, didn't he brought they, himself here. Yeah. Didn't they run the, uh, didn't they run the cantina two years in a row, though? Oh, I can't tell you that. I really can't. I thought it was a one-year deal. Because there are, um, there are unopened sets that did have a red snaggle tooth. I'll bet that's the, the 1979 or 80 version. Could have been. Because I'm thinking that they ran it two years in a row, but I'm not sure of that. No, I would say either the uh, Rebel Command Center or... Um, no, definitely not the Rebel Command Center. Well, then it must have been the, uh, the Cloud City one. The Cloud City playset? Yeah, which is basically another delivery system for figures. Yeah, it's a big cardboard set. Did you guys ever have this one? Which one is that? The Cloud City playset. No, no, I don't ever remember even seeing that one. Oh man, I didn't see it until I was an adult. Really? Yeah. What What were you guys doing? These no, catalogs were coming out, you know. You see what I? You know what I was doing with the catalogs is I fought over them with my sister, and we each the, my 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 sister would get a either one of us would alternate red or blue pen, and we would write our initial over everything we wanted you know so our parents could go through it and pick out what they were going to get but i basically put a big c over every single star wars thing <laughs> you know every micronauts you know anything like that was just like c c c i just i shot a wide scatter shot you know see get whatever i could get and i now were those play sets they probably had to be ordered right Oh yeah, yeah. You couldn't. Yeah, so my parents were, were were like more of like two weeks before Christmas, go shopping with the books, see what they could get off the shelves. Mm. But they mostly got me smaller stuff. Like I got um a uh, land speeder, but it was the the small diecast land speeder, uh. you know, and stuff like that. And I I, I never really got. I, they like to buy me model kits too, so I got a lot of the model kits, and I'd get figures. But not much to put the figures in. Scott always had all the spaceships and and play sets to bring. The, you know, it was usually a, a a matter of bringing all the figures over to Scott's place. Right. Then yeah. you can throw them in a Tie Fighter. I had I did have the X Wing for a while. But as far as like exclusive play sets and you know order away stuff like that, mm, uh, odds were always slim that I was going to get something like that. We were really rural too. You know, it was. It was uh, That's slim pickings at the at the actual Sears. I, w I would think that you would probably do a little more shopping through the catalog because you were. You'd, I grew up in the city. You'd think so, yeah. I never got anything out of these catalogs, um, but I can remember um, 
laying That's what the Sears catalog was made for, was yeah. for rural people. Yeah, you could buy houses and horses and stuff. Right, everything yeah. you need, yeah. Even in the even in the 70s and 80s, there was all sorts of crazy stuff in there yeah. that, you know, you wouldn't see anymore in a catalog anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is kind of the tail end of the catalog. This is the last few years that it was still relevant actually. I can't tell you how much I love these exclusives though. Again, the, the the catalog would come out in September, shortly after Labor Day. And my birthday is September 20th. So there was always a bunch of brand new Star Wars. There were things, by the way, toy-wise, you understand that a lot of prototypes made it into the catalogs. Some things made it into the Christmas catalogs. Not just talking Star Wars, but just toys in general. Some things made it in the Christmas catalogs that were never produced. Right, yeah. Because uh, Brian Heiler, Pod Stallions, go to him for that because he's got <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there were, I, I'm trying to remember now some of the things. I think there was some Flash Gordon 1980 stuff that wasn't produced that was solicited in some of the catalogs. Um, but uh, the Cloud City playset, when I got that uh, catalog with that in there, here again, it's an action figure delivery system. It's got Solo with the jacket on and the yellow blood stripe, which, you know, I guess some species have yellow blood. Uh, it's got Dengar. With the wrong with weapon. big, long IG-88-looking rifle. No, no. In the catalog, he's holding Bosk's gun. Oh. Well, in the playset, he's holding the big, long rifle. Yep. Um, it's got the Ugnaught with his little uh, his portable first aid kit or whatever it is. His purse. We call it a <laughs> purse. Tool purse. And it's got Lobot with a pirate shirt. He's got a, I don't want to be a pirate got the big puffy sleeves and uh that was just first off to have something cloud city was so cool and i gotta tell you probably in kenner's line the most underutilized location for playsets ever uh why was there no carbon freezing chamber why was there no landing platform why, you know why wasn't there a big window that you could battle luke and vader with that would pop out you know yes. the window now, would that, blow out micro was, collection yeah that was yeah. actually produced in the micro collection uh but speaking of the micro collection probably be after our time we did not even uh the micro falcon was a sears exclusive mm. um which i was fascinated by that because it actually had you could go from the back of the uh ship and there was a walkway to the cockpit yeah which i always thought the playset was Sorely lacking. I was always happy. I, I was always unhappy with the micro collection figures, but the play sets were top notch. Uh, the figures were ridiculous to me because they were just pre-posed. There's nothing else you could do with them. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if Luke's pointing it, a gun, he's always pointing a gun. And that's the strange thing is, uh, you know, the one thing I remember of the micro collection back in the day is going to a Sears of all stores. And boy, they put on the you know lots of in-store displays. Mm -hmm. uh, they were full. This is when it first came out. And even as a kid thinking, well, I'm not sinking money into another different scale. Yeah, well, and if you look at, like, the Millennium Falcon, the figures it comes with, it's got a 3PO and an R2. Okay, fine. It's got Chewbacca, but Chewbacca is raising a tool over his head. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, you know, they're statically posed. That's all you get. And then you got Lando, and then you've got Luke, who is slumped with his hand cut off. That's what and, every kid wants. Yeah, I mean, who wants the Luke? You can't even stand him up. The, yeah, they're, they're, they're made for display, pretty much. Yeah, but that's... That's why I never got into the micro... Yeah, the figures are made for display. The toy, the play sets, though, are made for play, and that's the problem with the whole thing is that there's a disconnect between the two there. Uh, so shortly thereafter, another Christmas passes, and we get the Rebel Command Center. Now that's that looks really cool. That one, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing that. I don't remember that one either. I, I still have that one, and you can tell that this is where they're starting to cut back because for the same price, now you only get three new figures. It's the same base. If you look at the base, you, if you got a picture of it in front of you, 
the base uh-huh. is the same as the land of the Jawas and the Hoth Ice Planet. Exact yeah. same base. Um, now, see, I remember the Hoth Ice Planet one, the one that has, in, instead of this background or the land of the Jawas, had the Adat. Yep. I remember that being on a shelf in... Chris, help me out. What was that drugstore that was attached to Ames in Carthage? Was that like Kinney was it Drugs? A Kinney's? Or something? I think yeah. it was a Kinney's. Whatever that drugstore was, they had that on the shelf. Hoth Ice Planet. So yeah, the Hoth Ice Planet. Yeah. One. But well, this one here, to, yeah. yeah, I never saw anywhere. Not I don't remember seeing it in a in a book or anything. So when I was doing homework for this episode and I saw that, I'm like Damn, that's the third backdrop for the exact same place. <laughs> right. But I really like that one. It's it's really cool because it's the rebel base, which yeah. you know, it's the. Hangar. I just yeah, I think that's really neat. Now the three new figures it came with were Luke and Hoth outfit, and that was great because we had our rebel commander who I think a lot of or not the rebel commander, the rebel, rebel uh, just the rebel soldier, soldier. in Hoth, right? Outfit. Yeah, and I think most of us just kind of played Luke with him. In fact, his hand was kind of positioned so that it would hold those Empire Strikes Back era lightsabers if you needed it to. Right, yeah. Um, but but plainly, it wasn't just Luke. So they made a Luke much better sculpt, much better paint job. Uh, I thought a good figure, although tough to make his head turn with those big the big flaps flying down from his head. Right, yeah. Um, there was the Adat Commander that came with it, mm-hmm. and R2-D2 with scanner scope. Yep. The variation on R2-D2. On a, on a, on a side note, uh, Sears of Canada had an exclusive. Um, not really exclusive in so much as a different way of packaging their figures from this uh, this wave. And they put them on a vacuum-formed card, and the Adat Commander was actually named General Veers on that card. So that was the only way huh. to get an actual General Veers action figure. How about that? Huh. But that was the uh, that was and a neat playset. And then they went into heavy recycle mode with the uh, they reused. Do you remember the build a droid playset from the early days? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted that so oh, bad. That playset. That was the only way you could get a. Uh, and I know where you guys are going to go. An R two <laughs> with a third leg. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not, we didn't even go there because we're so in awe of it. <laughs> But yeah, you could, and Jeff Jeff had that. I didn't because Jeff had everything, and uh, I never had the Droid Factory. But they took that mold and reused it and made it into Jabba's Dungeon for a series of exclusives. There were actually two different sets of Sears exclusive Jabba's Dungeons, two different years for Return of the Jedi. Both again action figure delivery systems. The first one, and they uh, did I mention they retitled it? Did I? It was no longer the uh, Droid Factory. It was Jabba the Hutt's Dungeon. Yes, that's right. Books. Yeah. And um, so basically all you got was the base, the crane arm yeah. and three new figures. Well, yeah, what they did was, if you remember, the, the crane arm on the original playset then went into there was an area where the pieces of the droid sat in little pockets, almost like operation. And they removed that and kind of made a floor with some some gadgetry on it. Uh, the fur- figures that came with it the first time around, the Klaatu with a different outfit on the new, the, I guess these uh, kind of skiff guard Klaatu, mm-hmm. right. uh, the Nikto. And 8D8, who, of course, was the, the torture droid, I guess, in Jabba's Right. Place. And uh, so... He was the one doing the actual torturing. Huh? He was the actual Yeah, droid. he was the actual torturing droid, yeah. At the behest torturing, of... Torturing uh, at the behest of 99. Yeah, EV. EV99, who came out the next year. Who would be in the next set. Yeah, the next time they made that playset, three new figures, and this is where it really gets dicey. Because you get EV99, 
And you also get, um, hang on a sec. Amanaman? No, I wasn't going there next. Barata. I was going with the Barata, and then a Man. Man. Do, 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 do. I just think of refrigerators when I think of a man a man. Who's here to fix it? Yeah. It's the Amana Man. That's right. And those guys are hard to find. Though that batch, those guys come on now, how much would you pay for an Amana Man right now? What the uh, regular price going right now? Yeah. Uh very hard. The the key part to him is his staff. You know. Uh that's but, the very hard as always. Part to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only to him and <laughs> So, yeah, that one's tough to find, and I think that kind of drew a close to the era of the exclusives, didn't it? Yeah. Is this a palindrome, a man, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama? <laughs> no, it isn't. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> On that note, we should be wrapping up. <laughs> hey, I have a question. Yes. Shoot. Have any of you guys heard of the Canadian Death Star? You talking about the Palatoy Death Star? Canadian. I always Aus- thought of it as a British yeah. Death Star. Yeah, Cana- it was, yeah. It was Canadian, think- uh, Australian, and uh, British. British. Is that the paper yeah, one? So. Palatoy. Palatoy. Basically, a chipboard, a cardboard half sphere of the um, Death Star. Great set. Yes. Always wanted it. Yeah, me too. I, uh, could never. I, I just remember seeing someone with a. I think it was a Dream On price on eBay, and it was like. Four thousand four hundred dollars. Oh. Holy Christ! But I I interpreted it to be a variation of the Death Star playset. It is a Death Star playset, but it really physically has nothing to do with the American Death Star playset. Yeah. Okay. Much cheaper. Is, is it Toll Toys? Is that the one? Well, they they know, they said that the bottom of it was different. That it didn't have. It was just black. Than the American. Whatever it was, oh, there was an American totally. version of it. No, not of that, no. I mean, there's a Death Star in America, and there was a Palatoy Death Star in other territories, but they were not at all the same playset. Oh, okay. close. One, the U.S. one was plastic, three stories. You had the gun yes. at the top, the foam. And yeah, I had that one. Crash yeah, impactor. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the foreign one was just a basically a pieces of cardboard that you put together, made half a sphere, and on the top was kind of a cheaply made... Uh, Plastic guns with a uh, right, clear yeah. cover over it. Yeah, looking at it now on eBay for eight hundred bucks. Holy cow! Yeah, no, they, they just you, you have to consider that things in uh you know things in Canada and are, were probably made in you know a fourth of what they were made in the states in numbers, and for those things to su- survive, right. especially a cardboard set. Yeah. Yeah. Just very. You can find uh, scans online that you can print and cut out to the same size. Hmm. Wow. I may have a project. Yeah. Hey, right. Building yeah. a palatoid Death Star. Get a little spray mount and you're ready to go. Uh, now, you keep saying that word. What is that word you're saying? Palatoy? What palatoy. Is that? That's the toy company. company. That's yeah. the distributor. Oh. Uh, uh. Yeah. I think in Canada it was Irwin. Uh, Australia it was uh, Toll Toys. Toll Toy. Yeah. That's the. I was doing a quick Google search, and that's what I found was the Toll Toys. I think that's, I think we're talking about the been same one. Here, the ancient yeah. fathers of the Toll Toys, or the Egyptians, <laughs> or the Mayans. Um, well, here's a picture of it in, actually in the. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, but Palatoy wasn't just Star Wars. They they did Mego over there. They did um, Action Man. So you know, Action just, Man. I'm sorry. Just more of a distributor than anything else. Although I'm not sure where the manufacturing of those were made. Hmm. 
I'm telling you, just just simply seeing these old catalogs again and and going through them online was just a such a walk down memory lane. Yeah. Just well, it's totally like you awesome. were saying when we were uh, probably talking on Facebook. It was hard to stick to the Star Wars sometimes because there was oh, just so yeah. much other. I mean, you found Sucker Man. And I found oh, just all the these Migos, old games. Yeah, the Mego stuff was bringing tears to my eyes. I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. Goodness. <laughs> uh, another, I think it was Sears exclusive, and they are probably some of the most valuable toys. Is Mego did an Alter uh, Egos line, and I think it was uh, it was uh, Clark Kent. Were showing that stuff? Yeah, yeah. It was Peter Parker, uh, Bruce Wayne, and Dick Grayson, and I think it may have been Clark Kent. And they were just the same bodies. Like the Batman and the Robin were the uh, removable mask ah. heads. And they just had terrible uh, 70s-looking um, plaid outfits and stuff like that. Excellent. But uh, they were exclusive and extremely hard to find. Very valuable. Hmm. I vaguely remember those. Yeah, it was, it was basically the flip of every – well, the virtual flip of every page – was just like, oh, and when I got to the Micronauts, it was all over. <laughs> so, now, I, I might have gotten Biotron and Microtron from begging from the Sears catalog for sure. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is I, I would encourage anybody to just, I mean, there's so many places now where there are scans of these old catalogs, and I would advise anybody who has a, a whiff of nostalgia about them for that era to just go through there, you will lose when you have some time. Yeah, you will lose yourself in doing it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I totally did. Yeah. It's just amazing just going through these catalogs and looking at everything that was sold, especially you know back in the seventies. They had they had they had every they had automotive, they had home goods, they had uh, just about anything you needed. And and the I was a big NFL kid. I know Scott Gardner and I share that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So I liked to go through there and see the old NFL merchandise and how primitive it was back then. Mm-hmm. But it, what's funny is back then my favorite thing to get out of the Christmas catalog, and I'd have to get at least one every year, every Christmas, was I would get a brand new Roger Staubach jersey. And uh, <laughs> that has continued to the point that right now, as we record this podcast, I am wearing a Roger Staubach jersey. Are you wearing your Yoda underoos? I'm not wearing my Yoda underoos. Oh. That's too traumatic <laughs> for me. He made me wear them. <laughs> Send the police. We're supposed to tell anybody that. Uh, there were also there were also exclusives for. You had to consider that Sears had the buying weight that they could go to manufacturers and say, "We need an exclusive. You need to give us an exclusive." Uh, and you know that that evaporated with things like Walmart, but they even got uh, exclusives for GI Joe. There was a missile command, which was basically. Uh, Again, a delivery system for figures. It was uh, a chipboard missile that raised, and uh, you got three figures in it. And same thing with, uh, it was like a dreadnought set that was uh, regular vehicles uh, injected in different colors. And just like anything else, those are extremely valuable, hmm. you know, because they were always produced in such small numbers. Sure. And they were all right. very cheap. You know, the sad thing is, is if we had a time machine between the three of us, we'd probably go back and get Star Wars toys. <laughs> There's no doubt. I was just going to say, what's this problem? Yeah, for? probably Hitler, nothing. Hitler would be perfectly fine. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, Hitler, yeah. You know what I would love? We to wouldn't be going back any further than 77, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no. I would love to go back and just take pictures of uh, the toy aisles back then. 
Oh my Plaid, god. Plaid Stallions has a great um, feature that they do every time I guess they collect enough of of photos from toy stores back in the day and it's never in the photo I think I think he's even said it on in regards to it that it's never the thing in the photo that they're taking the picture of that you want to see. Right. It's just to the left. It's the wall full of Star Wars figures that you uh, <laughs> you know you want to see. Um, actually, I'm going to send them a photo. This is the Ryan searches for a photo section of the show. You can cut this. I forgot about the canteen. There was another cantina play set where the doors snapped open on it. Yeah. I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, that, uh, I still have mine. I have. No, that, I mean, this was a different one. This yeah, was no, a, I- another different one besides that. There was the one where the door was on the right, or excuse me, the left-hand side, and you yes. came in, and there was the little half-circle bar, and yeah. then there was the little, like, you know, the little, like, uh, almost like they could play checkers on it or something area with the band behind it. But there was another different one was- where the door was on the right-hand side, kind of canted at an angle, and all there was was just the bar. In America? Yeah, I'm no, hang- not even overseas there wasn't anything like that. You're- Hang on here. I'm, I just found a picture of it online, and I'm looking at it going, oh, my God, I forgot about this, because I think I had this one, too. Now, there was a different one in the U.K., but it was very similar to the U.S. It was just the base of it was uh, different, almost with a little uh, 70s um, conversation pit. Who's that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. Who's the Who's the picture of the Death Star and the cantina set up and the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter? And the little tiny Christmas tree and the land speeder. Whose picture I, is that? I don't know. I just found it online. That I is that brilliant. Was, yeah, I thought that was great. That, oh, that looks like an actual no, authentic vintage. The, the picture, picture The picture you were showing is the picture that was yeah. in the toy catalog, the little catalog yeah, in yeah. the thing insert. Yeah. This is a uh, prototype of the creature cantina. That was never produced? No. Not like that. The one Because I've, I've seen that picture before yeah. or something and it, it was, it was remember just they, jogging in memory the same thing with the very different looking yep. do back yeah remember they would pack them pack in this little catalog with the play sets and the vehicles yes yeah and, and this yeah. is the stuff that's out and this is stuff that's coming out that's where that picture made it and that's what the prototype looked like but when they produced it it was the other one with the doors on the other side with the bar and the table i gotcha i gotcha yeah there there were there were a lot of things like that there's also a very early um prototype of the imperial cruiser that had kind of a wedge front it was very different from uh what you know actually came out um and that you know, most to- of those most of the toys they put out like that that i never got i was always so gentle like the ad at and stuff but that was one toy i never got that i was actually glad i never got because that was <laughs> the one star wars toy i always thought was shit was the uh the star destroyer Oh no! What a no. piece of crap! No, no, Star Destroyer. <laughs> no, I love the Star Destroyer. It's you just got the meditation chamber. You put Darth Vader in there and you open that door. A, it's got a handle like you're supposed to fly the room around. I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I just know that it's got the meditation chamber and you. Yeah, can but do the it. meditation chamber just, and the controls and the gun—it's all within like two inches of each other. Plus, so Vader's sh- got no personal space whatsoever. Plus, they show them—they show <laughs> them torturing the all the way. They show him torturing Princess Leia on the promotional photos. Yes, that's a, She's that's like a, hanging upside down. They're like waterboarding her or that's, something. That's <laughs> they, they changed that real fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, this this. I'm glad you sent me the link for the uh, 
for these catalogs. Because, you know, the other thing that I really liked looking at these was uh, the knockoff play sets and stuff that you could get as well, yes. you know, that were that were clearly cashing in on Star Wars, but they couldn't call themselves Star right. Wars or anything like that. I, I so love that Space kind of Wars. Well, yeah. not just that, but uh, I think it was Montgomery Ward. Uh, my mother-in-law says Montgomery Ward. But uh, <laughs> they actually made, and I think it was through Mego. Um, it was before Star Wars. It was when uh, Six Million Dollar Man ruled the Earth. Right. And uh, they actually made a villain for him called Dr. Chrome Dome. <laughs> and it, you know, it's just a Mego piece of crap, but still, uh, it's still a great figure. He's just basically got a silver bald head, I think. Hence, Chrome Domus. Chrome Domus. Chrome Domicus. Well, what do you think? Are we wrapping it up for this time around? I think so. Yeah, I think we can do that. I think this works as a as a Christmas episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> Some great memories. Oh, yeah, it will be for December. That's right. Absolutely. Well, as soon as we're done with this, I'll remember a thousand other things I could have said. Of course. That's why you'll have to be on again. All right, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun, and I look forward to being on next time. Absolutely. Anything toy, you got to give me the call. (laughs) All right, so next time around, coloring books or your wish list? I could do coloring books. I think I actually still have some of my Empire coloring books here somewhere. I have a really good coloring book. All right, (laughs) so next time around, coloring books. sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows simply click the paypal link on our website donate any amount at all tell us which show you're choosing and what message if any you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener it's that easy and there is no minimum donation Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. Merry Christmas.
All right. Somebody else bring it back for uh, for Journal of the Wills. Scott, you bring it back for Journal of the Wills. Okay. Welcome back to Growing Up Star Wars, where we are going to... I'm going to try that again. <laughs> He's the professional. I'm the professional. <laughs> That's why I always do it in two takes. So staying in the show. Yes. Um, welcome back to Journal... No, not Journal of the I was supposed to ask you, Ryan, if you ever had a ROM... No, I never had a ROM. Because, I, uh, I was, I was, you know, thinking back on it, my, I mean, my dad, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. We had three kids in the family, so we didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, just stuff. And I had to concentrate everything on Star Wars. I was basically a Kenner kid. It was Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and uh, a little bit of uh, Fisher Price Adventure People, but that was about it. I was very picky. I never had any Migos. Never didn't really have any Joes. So uh, no, and I've I've thought of picking up Rom Rom just because it was a cool figure. So I recorded with uh, Professor Allen earlier today. I, he had me on as a guest for his show, and he was doing uh, Rom number one of yeah. the Marvel comics. So of course we talked a little bit about the the origins of that, you know, with the figure and everything. And he was asking me, you know, my origin story with, you know, with Rom and the figure and all. I never had one as a kid, but, uh, when I first got hot and heavy into eBay with selling comics and stuff, uh, that was one of the first things I did was bought myself a Rom cause I'd always wanted one since I was a kid. Yeah. And for what they were and how limited they were available, uh, they're kind of, uh, reasonably priced. At the time I got mine, I paid a lot for it. I paid, or what do you I want to say it was around 100 bucks, but these days I think you can get them fairly cheap. Cause yeah, that's one of the things about eBay. So many things have come out of attics. Yep. That yeah. prices have actually kind of come down. Yeah. But it was that was part of the whole Mattel Electronics thing. You remember the Starbird? Oh, yeah. 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 That was part of the same, uh, you know. Mattel had their electronics division. And yeah, I, I had one. Of I may still have mine somewhere. Well, those old sure. electronic toys, I've made some good money off. Um, remember, have you ever uh, seen a Milton game? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, step and fetch it voice. Hi there, my name's Milton. <laughs> We're going to play today. It's like, it was wow. ridiculous. How I got many, it at like a little... have you found and the, the batteries were just tore them up, leaked and ruined them? Yeah, I know. That's the always the first thing you gotta check is to see if that battery container's yeah. roached or not. I was at a uh, I was at a Goodwill in um, North Carolina, and just I always walk in and remember the little tabletop Coleco like arcade games. Oh yeah, I right, wanted yeah. those so yeah. bad. Oh, I never had one, but there was a great oh, pack either. in there in great condition, and then opened the battery thing, and they had leaked and just ruined the whole thing. Just the whole insides of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the Goodwill, they wanted 20 bucks. I would have picked it yeah. up a couple bucks. Maybe I could refurb it, but nah. So Yeah, that's another bad thing is Goodwills are getting too smart. And and uh, we were in a Goodwill, and we, we could see the guy in the back room looking stuff up on eBay, and they price things very optimistically there. Yeah, yeah. But then again, there's other stuff works. that they don't pay attention to that they just like, ah, quarter. And that's where I come in. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. it called? I got to go make a quick phone call. So I'm going to let Scott wrap it up with you. Um, cool. It was good talking with you guys finally. Yeah, it was good to talk to you, man. Don't yeah. be a stranger. No. Yeah, we'll definitely got to have you on again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Hi, boys. <laughs>